cabe la radio que tan volta, tan volta. Good morning and a very warm welcome to this Friday's animated gift with me, Carrie Fraze, and Deborah Gray. And today we are talking about alternative, complementary, integrative and holistic therapies. We have got them all covered thanks to a very chilled, balanced duo of guests <laughs> in the shape of Kasia Olsko from Mindful Workshop and Flavia Eden, who is a kinesiologist. Lots and lots of long words in that, but I got through it. How are you both? Very well, thank you. Thank, thank you, very good. Thank you very much. For, yeah, pleasure, pleasure. I'm already feeling quite relaxed. Mm. I was quite stressed this morning. Um, well, we're going to be finding out a, a bit more about what you guys do uh, after our little news slot, which um, we do every Friday morning. Deborah, um, are you a good sleeper? Uh, normally, yes. Yeah, or oh, lucky you. Yeah, no, I do sleep well. You got any tricks? Tricks that um, get you sleep yeah. apart from half bottle of red wine. <laughs> <laughs> well, shoving your husband upstairs so he doesn't you don't have to listen to him snoring. <laughs> or the sofa. Or earplugs. I always put earplugs in every night. But does that mean you don't wake up in the morning? Or no, it does. Up? I do wake up because my five-year-old gets into bed with me at 6.45 on the dot. Really? Yes. She's, an, she's our alarm. Oh, that's quite sweet. <laughs> Could have been like an hour later. Might be. Yeah, no, it would be much sweeter if it was 7.45. <laughs> exactly. Much sweeter. Well, a new survey has found that apparently just a few nights of bad sleep can seriously affect your brain. A number of volunteers in the study were told to cut down on their sleep by a couple of hours a night. And then their well-being was assessed. Not surprisingly, they reported increased feelings of anxiety, depression and stress. Also increases in paranoia and feelings of mistrust about other people. Uh, that was just following a few days less sleep. Now, this is interestingly. Apparently, Norbert Schwartz, a professor at, of psychology at the University of Southern California, has put a figure on the importance of sleep. He claims $60,000 more in annual income has less of an effect on your daily happiness than getting one extra hour of sleep a night. Uh, how ridiculous, I, I love it. I still like it. I'm going to put that as my new mantra. Because, uh, yeah, you must have some tips for good sleep with what you do. What, what, do, you, what do, you, do you have people that come to you and say they, they struggle sleeping? Yes, a lot of people struggle with sleep, actually. And what are the main reasons for it, and how do you tackle it? I think the main reason, like with everything else, is the busy mind. Yeah, so the mind is so busy that you can't sort of transition from your day tonight um, and meditation and relaxation is really key here so before you go to sleep if you do a short meditation or relaxation exercise so that you can transition to sleep and really slow down the thinking just before you go to sleep or a lot of people you know fall asleep watching tv or you know you do you do you do and then you decide oh now i'm going to go to sleep and obviously it doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. So you need to have some kind of ritual if you're struggling with sleep so that you can sort of end the day and then go to sleep. Mm. Like babies when you're, when you're training your babies to sleep, exactly. but in an adult version. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we all need a little mother to <laughs> rock us. <laughs> no, because I'm a the terrible story, sleeper. A story, a story. Imagine yeah. if someone oh. came and read you a story. Wouldn't that be lovely? And a really nice one, the fairy tale yeah. ending, <laughs> not the news. <laughs> um, is, sorry to interrupt, no, but there is an app that actually does that. It's called, it's um, on Calm, I think. And you've got stories for adults so that you can play yourself a story before you go to sleep oh. instead of a meditation. 
Okay. Oh, I like the sound of that. Me too. That's a very good idea. Listening, actually, talking books, that is Mm. quite a nice way because reading, sometimes you think, oh, I can't open this book. It just is, you know, half a page and then you sort of get a bit tired, but you're not not necessarily tired enough to actually sleep. That's perfect. Sorry. Also, I think our eyes work enough during the day with computers and with looking at, you know, smartphones, etc. I think it's really nice to just accentuate your listening, you know, your sense of listening rather than looking and reading at night. Mm. Your eyes are tired. Yeah, I mean, switching off computers and mm. handhelds and anything electronic, obviously, that's key, isn't it? We're all bad at that. Terrible. Do you have any tips, Flavia, for sleeping? I do, actually. Yeah, go on. Something that commonly, when people come to see me for insomnia or bad sleeping, that they can't get into a deep sleep, is problems with blood sugar levels. Right. So they eat far too early, and then they go for a long period of time before eating before going to bed before going to sleep. And if your blood sugar levels are low, you can't get into a deep sleep. So you might find it easy enough to fall off to sleep, but then you won't feel refreshed in the morning or you'll keep waking up during the night. So often what's key is not having a huge meal just before going to bed, which actually has a counteractive effect. So problems as well that if you've eaten far too much and try and go to sleep, that you don't sleep well because your body's focusing on trying to break it all down. It's sitting there like a lump. But actually if you have something small, like a complex carbohydrate, just before going to bed, like half an hour before going to bed, you're actually you'll raise your blood sugar levels enough that you'll actually be able to sleep longer and deeper and more profoundly during the night and wake up more refreshed. <gasps> Wouldn't oh, that be nice if a complex carbohydrate was chocolate? Oh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's my... <laughs> that, I was just about to ask that. It's not a confused carbohydrate. Don't be complex like that, do you? <laughs> Give us an example of a common example. So, uh, like um, wholemeal bread. Um, Mm. So, a a toasted sandwich, small toasted sandwich, or oat cakes, or brown rice. If that's really your thing that you want to (laughs) nibble on before going to bed, (laughs) and having something like even even better, something like a turkey sandwich, small turkey sandwich. Because turkey is something is very high in something called tryptophan, which um, stimulates melatonin and which helps you sleep as well. Ah, so you think Mm. about an hour before you go to bed. Yeah, an hour, half an hour before go to bed. Something small, and Mm. um, and that should help you to sleep deeper. I'm going to try that because I'm not a good sleeper and I will report back, Flavia. Thank you. I've got that for free. Thanks. (laughs) Um, Now, someone who evidently did not get enough sleep is the manager of uh, a Barcelona supermarket, Lidl. I think we can say that. There are other supermarkets in Barcelona. A man who we will call John has been fired for working too hard. He was managing a Barcelona branch of the German supermarket chain when the company discovered he was committing the deadly sin of starting work before the designated time in order to, his quote, get the shop ready to open to the public. Without clocking in, John was dealing with orders, changing prices and loading up entire pallets with goods. Lidl has cited serious breaches of contract as the motive for John's dismissal after footage on the supermarket security cameras revealed he was working those extra hours. On several occasions, he was seen to arrive at the supermarket at 5am and spend between, quote, 49 and 87 minutes before actually clocking in. Anyone at your company, Deborah, working too hard? <laughs> I know, <they> very confused. <laughs> Apart from you, I obviously. am thoroughly confused. Uh, yes, they're all working far too hard, not being paid enough. Um, oh, I'm really confused by that. Why not? Yeah. Would you sack somebody for put, putting in 80 minutes extra? Well, it was something, I, it was quite a complex reason. It was in legalese, but something to do with the fact that he was working and not actually earning for it. And they, you can't do that, apparently. Only in this country would that ever be a problem. (laughs) I know, and it's just, I mean, hooray. I mean, why are they not championing him? This is the irony, isn't it? I don't understand. Very strange. But, you know, here us, I know it's very much a British thing, uh, isn't it? Sort of hanging around, especially on a Friday afternoon. It was like, no, we're just waiting for the last person to leave, apart from you, and then you leave, because that was kind of gave you kudos. But here it's the absolute opposite, isn't it? I mean, everyone leaves at three. 
apart from if you're an international company and they all hung around, it just kind of like not seemed to work too hard at all. We right. used to go running down to the pub on a Friday night. <laughs> in when I was in the working in the UK, I, I, I don't remember hanging around waiting for other people. Oh, to leave. you were in a good yeah. company. You were the first <laughs> not mine. I was in like a newsroom. Oh, come on! <laughs> oh, I do that. Oh, that is nice. <laughs> Friday night, excited. Um, here's a random fact as well. Little has come out as one of the top. Uh, cheapest supermarkets in this country, uh, ranked alongside Al Campo, Mercadona, Simply Market, Max Deer, uh, Eroski and Deer Plaza. The most expensive national chains are Corte Inglés and Carrefour Express. Carrefour. Yeah, Carrefour Express, apparently. But Lidl's prices have gone up uh, 4.3%. Good to know. Yeah, just thought, I think, random survey there. <laughs> <laughs> and you discovered an interesting story, Deborah. Oh, Not... I'm loving this one. Go on. Thank you for letting me tell it. Because I want to hear it again. <laughs> if there's no one out there that hasn't heard this one, um, there was an employee at Twitter. It was his last day at work, and he decided to do the world a favour. And this man is my hero. I'm going to get a T-shirt with his face on it. Um, he disabled Donald Trump's Twitter account as his farewell swan song to his employment at Twitter hilarious oh good man brilliant oh good. what is his name let's, let's i don't just, know oh, his name get, unfortunately i'll get a tattoo with it how long do you know how long it was that it was discovered no. every and the world was a calmer place for I know, 24 hours or whatever yeah, yeah oh he must have enjoyed that he must have been tempted so many times as well along the way just by pressing a button or whatever it is that you have to do at twitter there was a fabulous email exchange between Donald Trump and J.K. Rowling this week. Did you see it? Oh, I haven't. Oh, no. no, not an exchange, but email uh, or Twitter. Uh, Twitter. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Tw- he tweeted about um, Halloween taking away his daughter's bucket of sweets, taking away half of it to say, "Oh, I need to. It's never too early to teach her about socialism." <laughs> and J.K. Rowling said, "Why don't you get?" <laughs> why don't you get a bucket full of sweets from given to her by her granddad and then tell her she's the most intelligent person in the in the class because her bucket is fuller and I was thinking oh JK Rowling I love you oh she's brilliant <laughs> they do have a hate hate relationship they too. they've, they've well, been I can at watch it a few it for times. hours it's like yeah. a great tennis game <laughs> yeah yeah he's entertaining whatever else you think about him okay we are going to take a short break now but when we come back we'll be chatting more to Kazia from Mindful Workshop to find out how we can all try and get a bit more control over our lives
light your mother's cigarettes And I got to touch her hands And my heart That you forced in it again Wasn't built to be that way Welcome back. You're listening to Animated GIF with Carrie Fraze and myself, Deborah Gray. And we're here with Kazioshka, who um, knows all about mindfulness. So she's got something on me because I don't know anything about mindfulness. So really, I'm coming from a position of complete ignorance. Please tell me, what does it mean? Because I've heard it said in the last couple of years, it's become very, very sort of trendy. I've heard lots of things about it, but I really don't understand what it is. Please let me know. Yeah, um, on the way here, I was actually thinking of how to f- best answer this question because it's what, like with every sort of deep and vast practice, you can practice it on many levels. So it's basically a way you pay attention. So the way you experience life and the way how you can place attention where you want, it's about being present in the moment but it's also about the way you pay attention. So without judgment, with kindness, with compassion, and with gratitude. Wow. Okay. So it's about... So how do you, how do you teach that in a workshop? There is uh, lots of ways in okay. which you can practice mindfulness. So I think the main confusion is that mindfulness is meditation. Okay. So a lot of people will go, yeah. oh, I don't want to meditate or mm. I can't sit still and just have my eyes closed and I can't do it. But it's because it's a mental practice, you can practice your attention in many different ways. 
So meditation is one of the ways, but trying to stay present in the moment, even when we talk right now, mm. yeah, you can be thinking about something yes. else um, or going like, oh, what, what do I need to do f- next yes. or what happened on the way here? Yes. Or you can be fully present with me in this room and not be distracted by anything else. So okay. it, it's called interpersonal mindfulness. Mm-hmm. There is an official term, but you know, playing with kids, cooking, walking, driving, you know, how often do you drive and you get to your destination and you don't know how you got there. Yes. You're just like, oh my gosh, like which route did I take? Mm. So you can practice this way of paying attention in your day-to-day life. You don't need an official kind of way of practicing it, really. Okay. Wow. That's very interesting. So how did you get involved in this? Through yoga. Okay. I, I'm a next dancer mm-hmm. and I had lots of injuries. So there came a point where I couldn't dance anymore. Mm. And I was kind of searching for something and going, my gosh, you know, how do I stay sane? Um, and I found yoga. And yoga is a physical practice, but also there is an element of relaxation or having an open mind or being non judgmental, of not comparing yourself to others. But I always thought there is no way I can meditate. Like my mind is so busy that sitting still for 15 minutes and not thinking, no way. So it took me, I think, seven, eight years before I actually thought, all right, let's like give it a go. And it was through interpersonal mindfulness because I wanted to learn more about how to work with people, how to be able to do workshops better, uh, how to communicate in a better way. So through interpersonal mindfulness, and then it just blew my mind because I realized it's not about not thinking. It's about noticing your thoughts and understanding your thoughts and sort of looking at yourself. Okay. So you... Uh, you go into companies to, to give workshops. So what, what would make a company come to you? What kind of, what are they coming to you with? What do they, what do they want for their employees? Through mindfulness, mm-hmm. you also develop sort of productivity because you're able to focus better. Mm-hmm. You're obviously more effective. So I think a lot of it is sort of focused on de-stressing, massive one, because we're all stressed. But mm-hmm. I think in a work environment, we get really overwhelmed. Yeah. We're super busy, meetings, you know, media, technology. So it's a, so a lot of it is reducing the stress, building resilience, because mm-hmm. being grateful and being non-judgmental and having a slightly different outlook can make you a lot more resilient. Okay. It makes you massively more creative because okay. you're in a better sort of mental space and productive. And do you think this is a tendency in recent years because people are saturated with technology or it's something completely, I mean, the, what, what do you think has, has given rise to so much um, emphasis on mindfulness at the moment? Um, definitely the way that society functions. So sort of the expectation is constantly more and more. Mm-hmm. We expect it to do more, to do better. Mm. Uh, we w- work longer hours. We... S- you know, the globalization and the fact that we move places all the time, everything becomes slightly more sort of hectic. So I think this definitely makes people want to explore something that helps you calm your mind. Right. And the, 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 also the, the, the amount of bombardment of information, mm. yeah, the access to information. Mm. We know everything, what's happening. You know, even in Barcelona today, there's like 60 events you can go to. And you want to be all of them. (laughs) So it's definitely the way we live. Mm. But I think a lot of people come to it also for some kind of 
it could be connected to a bit of a spiritual practice mm. as well and gratitude and you just want to be happier. And we always look for something that can help us feel, I think, more happy and more fulfilled. Yeah. Yeah, and also maybe is that, do you think anything to do with the decline in religious practice that people antis, uh, before were sort of getting some kind of spiritual fulfillment by, you know, being an hour in church and, you know, giving thanks to a higher being and there's no, none of that going well a, a lot of that's very much reduced now that practice yeah definitely because i also you know get asked quite often so is this you know religion do mm. i have to be religious and mm. no you don't have to be but you know all kind of ancient wisdoms were kind of encouraging us to be to stop mm. to pause for a second mm. to reflect to kind of you know look at yourself and mindfulness gives you all this as well even though it's a mental practice, so it can be completely secular. It doesn't have to have anything to do with spirituality if you don't want it to. But if you do want to explore the kind of gratitude and things that might be important to you, your purpose, you can also try to do it through this practice. Okay. So, in, uh, so when people come to you, what is it that they experience whilst they're with you? It's different because <laughs> <Okay. laughs> it depends on who you okay. are, who comes, yeah? yeah, and what objectives. So also if I work one-to-one -one with people, we mm -hmm. do decide on the objective. Is it the stress that you're struggling with most? Mm -hmm. Is it that you really want to be more creative? Um, is it just the attention that you really can't concentrate and you're really struggling with paying attention to one thing at the time? Mm. And we try to work with that. Through the process, other things unfold, and sometimes where you start is not where you end, mm. but you do come with a certain probably problem or challenge that you would like to work on, and through mindfulness, you can achieve that. Okay, and how could you identify that you had that need? Like if if somebody wanted to was was thinking, oh, you know, I'm not really concentrating, or I feel very stressed. What what sort of are the symptoms that you would identify in yourself that means you would benefit from coming to a mindfulness workshop constant state of tension mm. anxiety um worrying lots your mind actually spinning out of control a little bit always being in your mind feeling really tired um low energy especially if you need to work on something creative or write or something at work and you can't focus mm -hmm. really stressed Often, you know, with kids, I work with people with kids, when you start, you know, shouting or <laughs> snapping at your kids and you can't control it because you're constantly tense. Yeah, yeah. Um, and some people as well who have all these physical symptoms because it's all connected. Yeah, the body and mind are connected. Yeah. So you will start having physical symptoms in different forms. That for, are example, there, for example? Lots of skin problems, mm -hmm. lack of sleep, massive one. Mm. Um eating disorders, not being able to eat, having... Sleeping is probably the biggest one, but there is lots of where you push your immunity system because mindfulness and meditation practice can really help you with immunity. So, you know, getting sick over and over with the same thing. Mm. Um, yeah, it's usually stress will get whatever it is that's your weakness in your body. If you really stress, that's what will pop up for come you. Up. And then with the people that come to you, are they men, women, ages? What kind of people come along and are interested in, in, in getting benefit from mindfulness? All people. <laughs> <laughs> Different 
I don't like sort of putting people into men, women, you know, we all have the same problems or challenges, but everybody for slightly different reasons, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, also mindfulness in schools is a big one now, especially in the UK. It's actually going to be part of the curriculum soon, which is amazing. Um, so Excuse me interrupting. Yeah, my, yeah. In my children's school, which is Villa Sardinal, they're actually they're not doing mindfulness, but they are doing meditation in the classroom to help kids concentrate, which I thought was great. I was really impressed that they were doing something so yeah. vanguardista. I thought was a, that was good. So schools and? Um, I'm doing a workshop for the teachers mm. this month. So also, you know, the teachers can be more mindful and can experience this. They can then pass it on to the children. Um so yeah, everybody really. And is it the kind of thing that people do then learn to do it themselves yes. and then kind of go off? Exactly. Cured, as yeah. it were. <laughs> <laughs> or, um, or is it something that you need to just be putting in a regular uh, yeah. sessions with you, for example? This is what is most exciting is because you will work with me for either a month or three months. But mm-hmm. at the end of the three months, you will have your own practice, okay. which you can have forever. Wow. So this is great because you won't mm. need... Uh, a therapist or you know you are self-contained once you have it it's always with you so you know it's like sport or gym you need to go to you need to have the facility and this is just like wherever you are you can do it wherever you know just anywhere so this is the most exciting part that you work with me for a bit but then you take it away Okay. I have to say, listening to you, Kasia, I so want to go to one of your sessions. I mean, you, you talk in a way that it can only be hugely beneficial. But I'd love to know your story, because presumably you must have had to undergo a mindfulness course yourself to, to understand, or to be able to teach it, obviously. So how did your life transform? Thank you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> no, because during the course, I got some feedback that I talk a bit too much, that maybe I give too many examples from my personal life. Oh, no, I think that's important. Yeah, I know. So today, on the way here, I was like, I am not going to talk about myself. Like, I will focus on just the facts. Um, Crazy busy mind. My mind is, and it still is, and I think that's really important and that's key with mindfulness. It's not about being in control or achieving a particular goal. It's just, it's a journey. And every day is different. So even now, after practicing for quite a while, I have days when I sit down and after two seconds, I'm already like, oh, my gosh, my mind is just spinning. So there is no, you know, now I'm a good mindfulness practitioner or now I'm very good at meditating. It's just like it's something you do every day and it just changes with you. But um, I'm very much into self-growth and achieving a happy state and inner calm. I always was really kind of searching for this sense of p- uh, internal peace, which I didn't have. I was always very restless, restless, sorry, looking for the next thing to do. Like, you know, where am I going to move next? Which country? What do I do next? Like always like looking to the future. And this really grounds you in the present. And yeah, you, you can have your dreams and ambitions, but you enjoy your life now, not what's going to happen next. And it really is a tool to calm your mind and with time, you learn to change it to thinking habits that benefit you. So once you understand what's happening in your mind, you can then unpack it and change it so that it serves you. So instead of being caught up in negativity and rumination and worrying, the moment it happens, you realize because you become a lot more aware and then you shift it to what you want to be thinking about. And then that creates your reality. 
Mm. And I think the fact that you've gone through that stressful time is better, isn't it? So you can relate to the people that come in and just need a huge you know, helping hand to I'm get to the next level. I'm still going through this. You know, yeah. I have days when I'm still so stressed. So it's like, it's not like I don't experience it anymore. I do. It's just I have some tools that might be helpful to deal with it. And obviously I experience it less and less. And my mind is calmer and calmer. And when it gets stressed, I can very quickly bring it back to neutral. Oh, you see, that's what I'd like to do. Is it, when, when you want to do that, do you, do you just put yourself... I mean, just explain an, an example of how you would do that because I, I really suffer from that. I, when I get stressed, I think I just need to go... And I do that and nothing... It's no different. <laughs> <laughs> the a big one, which is actually my blog um, this month, is about accepting what's happening to you. And it's, it's, this, is, this is this quality of the way you observe yourself. So you really accept everything that's happening. So the moment you stress, like in the past, I would go to a casting and I would be so nervous and I'd be thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous and I'm not going to be nervous. I can't be nervous. And that just creates more stress. So you, the easiest thing, you close your eyes and you really take sort of five deep breaths and try to focus on the breath because focusing on the, your body and your breath will take you out from your head. So really notice where your breath sits in the body, what's the quality of your breath, and just observe it without judging or analyzing. Accept that you're stressed, it's fine, and just focusing for a second on your breathing. And it's very simple, but it immediately takes you out of your mind. And it's the mind that creates the stress. The stress is not a physical thing. It's you creating the stress mm. very often. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of people's stress is based on what could happen, and that's not the reality. We're all guilty of that, aren't we? I do remember, you know, practicing breathing techniques after after having had pre-natal uh, classes. Yeah. And then babies are gone and growing up and stuff. But I do actually, when I get stressed, I do practice the breathing that I learned in the prenatal class just to kind of bring it all back down again. Because mm. also breathing activates your parasympathetic nervous system. So on a very sort of physical level, it will start regulating your nervous system. But it's anything that you can focus on that will get you out of your head, which when you're really stressed, mm -hmm. is difficult. So it can be the sound, it can be like the sensation of temperature, or it's just really focusing on the experience in the now, rather than the constant movie that goes on in your head. <laughs> that is a good movie, but often it's not the best movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's almost like a modern sort of package of, of you know, in the... When I was growing up, my mum and dad say would come out for a walk and take some deep breaths in the countryside. And that's essentially what you're doing, is it? But in a kind of like concertine format, because no one has some time to do that. But yeah. I can I can really understand it. But they were walking along and breathing and looking around at the lovely trees, changing colour. And, and, you know, that's, we should all try and incorporate simple things like that. Into Mindful life. walking, it's called. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you have the official name that? for everything that's just like a you know, things that we used to do. But because the world is so different, we don't do it anymore. We don't get time. But, you know, closing your eyes for 30 seconds and taking five deep breaths, everyone's got time for that. So mm -hmm. you can't use that excuse. Not, that you not don't driving. Have, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, stuck in a traffic jam. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. So mindful walking, mindful breathing, mindful, mindful eating. eating. Really like, ooh, what's mindful eating? Mindful eating is about eating mindfully, but <laughs> what it means is really, you know, how often do you eat lunch over your laptop? Yeah. So we don't mm. actually, you're doing something while you're eating, you're not eating, 
the eating is like the secondary thing you do. So it's really taking, and I think Spaniards actually are very good and Catalans at stopping for two hours <laughs> and eating lunch. <laughs> but it's also noticing what you eat so you can really taste it. And first time I did, I was in a retreat and I did mindful eating and we had to eat lunch, small dish for 45 minutes and we had to fill the whole 45 minutes. Tricky, but what you start noticing when you really pull, pay full attention to this dish is the textures, the color, like how it, the sensation in your mouth. And halfway through, I was full. It was a small dish, but you fall halfway through. So it's very powerful, especially with weight loss, with, you know, when you have emotional problems and you overeat. And it's, it's an attention training because you have this 40 minutes to focus on what you eat, but also appreciating where this food comes from. We're so used to just like, oh, some food. But, you know, taking a moment to reflect how this food got here. Someone grew it. Someone picked it. Then it got, you know, delivered to us. Then someone prepared it for us. It can be a whole different eating experience. Mm. Great. Well, for people listening that want to know more or would like to come for a workshop, um, how can they get in contact with you? The best way is to go on the website, mm -hmm. mindfulworkshop.com. And there's lots of information there, but you can book a free discovery sessions, like a half an hour session with me. That's one-on-one, on one, would that's it That's one-on-one mm -hmm. um, on Skype or Zoom or any other platform. And, and you can find out more how it could help you, what it could, you know, how it could benefit you. Um, and for companies, it's, there's also a, an area about mindfulness at work where you can read a bit more, but that would be the best way okay. to get in touch. Great. Well, thank you very much. Thank we'll you. go to a music break and afterwards we'll be finding all about kinesiology. I can't pronounce it. <laughs> Just about that. <laughs> that was good enough. <laughs>
That was, of course, Lionel Richie, Easy Like a Sunday Morning. It is, of course, Friday morning, but we are taking it very easy today. We're talking about alternative and complementary therapies with Kasia and Flavia. Flavia Eden is with me now. Uh, Flavia, you're a kinesiologist. You're British, right, but your name tells me otherwise. My first name's Italian, my middle name's Greek, and my surname's Swedish. So, yes, no one ever places me coming from Essex. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> the fascinating person you are already. I don't, I don't need to know anything else. Just <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Right, okay, let's, let's talk about this, the whole emerging world of, of complementary and alternative medicine. Just for the Philistines among us, which is definitely me, possibly. Yeah, it's another hand going up. Not Cassia, obviously. The difference between complementary and alternative, first of all. Is there any difference? There isn't. Oh, it's really? It's exactly the same. It's this anything can thing goes on, does it, everywhere? Yes. No, it just means anything outside of the sort of medical treatment itself. Any, anything extra is seen as alternative or complementary. They mean exactly the same thing. So holistic and integrative, then integrative. Did I say that right? Yes. Indir- yeah. Are they the same thing as well? <laughs> yeah, integrative usually combines alternative medicine and, and it can combine um, the normal medical stream of medicine as well so nowadays as it's slightly opening up to being the doctors opening up a little bit more to using alternative medicines people who are using both systems it's kind of integrative medicine or if you use different forms of complementary medicine at the same time again that can be seen as integrative holistic literally is coming from the idea of the whole so you thinking of the body as a whole not just oh you have asthma we're just going to look at your lungs so it's about, yes, addressing emotions, diet, uh, other things that can contribute so why to a has, problem. How, why has it taken so long for conventional medicine to incorporate alternative therapies? Because so much of it seems to make sense in the modern world. Is it, is it just purely because there's a lack of scientific research and, and doctors by nature are scientists, so they don't, if there's no data to support something, they don't want to use it? Or? I think yeah, there's um, many, many, many reasons for this. Um, firstly... I'm coming back to the scientific evidence of it. As I understand it, you can only say something is scientifically proven if you can repeat exactly the same test and it comes up with the same result. So therefore, things like taking a pill and pain going from being painful to not feeling it, okay, that can be repeated and therefore you can say it's scientifically proven. And there are a few therapies that can, that can happen. But the problem we face in alternative medicine is that For 10 people that come to you for digestive problems, there'll be 10 different reasons for that. So, And also, once you've then done one treatment and you've treated one thing, then the follow-up treatment might be different, or sometimes people can get worse before they get better. So you can never repeat the same test and have exactly the same result, and therefore you can't say it's scientifically proven. Another factor why, in my opinion, it's not being introduced and welcomed so much by the medical industry is because of the pharmaceutical industry. And of course, if we're able to solve people's problems without them taking pills, 
billions and billions mm. of euros and dollars is being lost. And so whereas uh, there's a lot of money being invested into the treatment of problems, there's very little being invested into the prevention of it. And so nowadays, I was like, oh, raise money for cancer, raise money for all of these different illnesses to prolong the person's life afterwards, usually with it. People are told, you have this problem, it's for life, and you need to be on this medication forever. Whereas how we approach it is, okay, if someone comes to you already with that problem, we find ways of being able to support them and help them and hopefully get them to recover, which often happens. But also, we approach it in a way we don't want people to get to those problems. So ideally, um, you're working with people who maybe you, they start having a few symptoms, but before it gets very serious, we're able to identify why they have that problem um, and what they need to do with our help to be able to recover from it. And therefore, they have their own tool set that um, they can they can help themselves, not only in that time perhaps when they really need it, but we all have our weak areas. So lots of people, if they get stressed or they get un- their immune system is low, it will either show up being headaches or it shows up being digestive problems or skin problems or breathing, whatever it is. These things, even if you cure them in the moment, if a stressful time arrives two, three years later they're likely to get the same problems return. Now, if you're able to give them a tool set that they can then be aware of their triggers or the little things that they can do to help themselves, they're able to maintain their health. And that's obviously the key to being able to live a long and healthy life. Mm, I mean, for some people, it can just be a simple change of diet, can't it? Absolutely. And it's diet particularly is something that is not, readily addressed within the traditional medical system they their training is very short in it and um, I remember being told when I was living in England by a doctor when I was talking about the the changes that I was doing for my diet for her treatment and she said to me well you do appreciate that diet really has very little to do with your health I couldn't believe the words that came out of her mouth and that's not uncommon that thought process and so alternative medicine approaches the body addressing emotions, stress, how the physical body works, of course, Um, diet. Everything we do in life affects our health. And it's being aware of the things that are directly affecting our health. We all know people who live off biscuits and are still very healthy. And you think, how is that possible? And other people who do what seems on paper to do everything right, but they're still the ones that get ill. It's because we're not addressing the different factors that are involved. And so going to see somebody, if you are feeling unwell, before you get seriously unwell, because mm-hmm. if we all wait to the point where we're falling apart and we can't get out of bed, or we get a serious illness then it's far more difficult to treat. If you have a little bit of awareness of what's going on, and we're not machines. We do have a lot of things that don't always make sense to us, but we do need to sort out. Because if we don't look after our body, who will? Mm. Even though you're not machines, the body does have an amazing ability to heal itself with small changes at the same time, aren't they? Because a lot of people get to a stage when they feel unwell, they just can't ever imagine getting better. But with a bit of mental help, and physical health, they can they can turn those physical symptoms around relatively quickly, no? Absolutely. Um, and what I find through my practice of kinesiology, that normally people are aware of 
uh, what's causing the problem. They might not be able to identify it if they walked in and went, and I say to them, okay, what do you think it is? And like, I have no idea. But as soon as you're able to start finding out about what's going on, immediately they're like, oh, I knew it. Mm. Because we do know it. We just choose to ignore it. (laughs) Because it doesn't fit with our busy lives. We don't want to have to give up those two glasses of wine a night. Or um, I've had so many people that come and go, I've got digestive, but perhaps I might be gluten intolerant. I say, well, what did you have for breakfast? They're like, oh, toast. What did you have for lunch? Pasta. Mm. And dinner? Pizza. (laughs) Oh, all right. But they needed someone else often to come along and go, hey, this is your problem. And they'll give it up and be like, oh, this is amazing. I'm cute. Well, actually, if you'd thought about it yourself, you probably could have sorted a few things out. But it's about sort of looking inwards instead of immediately looking outwards. And also, uh, we're always obliged to, if we need to change our health, we need to change things about ourselves. And we often don't want to do that. But once we start taking control of it, and if we start feeling better, we're so often so told that, oh, you're never going to recover, or it's your age, that key thing. Oh, I've got problems with my knees, or I get bloated. Oh, it's your age, i.e. you're never going to recover from it. But actually, if you start addressing the key problems for it and you start feeling better, it's like people get given a new lease of life. So you're a kinesiologist. How does kinesiology fit into all this? What, what do you look for, and generally what do people come to you? as opposed to going anywhere else? Well, kinesiology uh, uses muscle testing to uh, sort of diagnose problems within the body. So we use muscle testing as an indicator of yes or no. This is quite complicated to explain without actually showing it. But this come from, came from a chiropractor in the 1960s who was able to identify the correlation between muscles and stress. And so when we're testing for something that causes a stress within the body, instead of a strong muscle which would push down on the arm and it can be resist, they can resist, it goes weak and wobbly. And depending on how wobbly and weak it is depends on the amount of stress caused. So for whatever problem someone comes to me from, from skin problems to infertility to depression to digestive problems, whatever it is, there's a cause, there's a reason for it. And so instead of doing a trial and error, what we do, we approach it in a very clear and concise way of directly what's the root cause what is causing this and we look at it from nutrition we can test for nutrition does this person have we test for allergies there's loads of allergy very simple allergy testing test for um, nutrition about if they're needing any supplements or they're having too much of something in their diet Um, emotional stresses we can test for organs glands um, and give tips and tricks everyone goes away with homework because everyone needs to alter things in their life Um, but these things are temporary but then I ask the person to be to retain this thing because as I said before sometimes these problems can raise their ugly head in the future but um, so whatever the problem is so for example um, you could have someone come to me with back, back pain and say I've been going to uh, have my back treated for 10 years and I've still got back pain and so I use the muscle testing and I test every part of their back and it stays strong saying that there's no stress actually in your back but that's where the pain is showing up the other things that can affect your back are how you breathe and how your digestive system because if you have breathing problems you change your posture to support your lungs and try and make them be able to expand more to be able to breathe and therefore the weakness shows up in the upper part of the back the same works for your digestive system if you're bloated or you've got um, diarrhea or constipation anything like that again you change your posture to try and protect your your your, di- your belly your front and therefore the pain shows up in the back so I've had cases where someone comes to me for digestive uh, back pain and actually, they go away having to cut out 
um, white flour from their diet. And within about a week, they're, they're, they've ch- because their digestive system has sorted itself out, they right themselves, they stand up straighter, and their lower back, lower back pain goes. And it can be, instead of, um, this is a problem I find often with people going to the doctors, which, of course, I would never say people shouldn't go to the doctors, absolutely, um, get medical advice because it could be something a lot more serious. But you can't put people in boxes. You can't say, okay, that's a back pain. The pain is in the back, therefore the problem's in the back. And this is where people, holistic medicine comes into its own in a way of approaching it from a wider angle. Where the pain is doesn't mean the problem is. And so this is, uh, it can treat every single problem in this way. It, you don't just say, okay, you're, you've got breathing problems, therefore the problems in the lungs. It could be that they have an intolerance to dairy products. And also all these intolerances and allergies can be temporary as well. You can cut them out, you can desensitize the person to it and reintroduce it. So it's not sort of, you can't have dairy, oh my God, I can't have chocolate for the rest of my life. No, (laughs) it can be that you can't have it for a couple of months and then we work in a process of being able to reintroduce it. Mm, I mean, a lot of the problems that start off in the gut, don't they? There's a lot of talk about the gut because it's all been, because of the processed foods that we eat, it's it's all over the place. So people need to focus on that part of their body almost before anything else. Would you agree? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Those key programs, which I remember we used to see in the UK where they'd someone have to poop in a <laughs> Tupperware and it'd be analysed. Well, everyone was like, my God, that's disgusting. Like, well, actually, we do need to think about yeah. that. <laughs> it's very important. It's very interesting. Maybe we don't all need to poop in a Tupperware box <laughs> and analyse it, but we get the point. <laughs> okay, we're actually running out of time. So just before we go, tell us about Hearth, because I know you've got your, your own um, studio where you work, but you also work for Hearth in Saria, so where, where there's a team of different specialists. I do. I work there. Um, I work as a kinesiologist from there, but also the main thing that's done there is something called neurofeedback, which is a very popular technique which has come over from the US and is recognised and used within hospitals and schools in the US, um, which monitors brain waves and is able to identify when looking at these brain waves and comparing them to healthy brain waves. Um, problems to do with, for example, ADHD, autism, depression, anxiety, uh, stroke recovery, brain injury. And then it's non-invasive way of using auditory and visual stimulation to be able to help the brain reprogram itself to actually eliminate these problems. And it's incredibly effective, but relatively unknown here in Spain. And so um, you can actually find out more information about that if you go to their website, www.neuroscenter.com. And they practice in, in Spanish and in English and in French. Um, but it's a huge center where they also do um, EMDR um, 360 degrees, which looks at um, the whole emotional system. Um, there's acupuncture there. I practice kinesiology. Um, Kesha's doing a, um, a workshop from there coming up in November, is it? Yeah. What's and the date? So, Sorry. Do you remember the date of that? It's Tuesday evenings in November. Okay. Every Tuesday. Throughout yes. November. Yeah. Okay, great. So um, there's a lot going on there because it approaches the body with a way of actually, we, it's often one thing that doesn't sort us out, but we need to address things in different ways. So they complement each other. So it offers a wide range of services to be able to suit the individual's needs. Mm, sounds you, amazing. Sorry, could you spell out Neuros for anyone who's listening? Yeah, N-E-U-R-O-S-C-E-N-T-E-R.com. Lovely. Great. And Hearth, the address for that is www.hearth.es. 
And your and address? I am. <laughs> <laughs> my address, my personal address, yeah, yeah. Um, is Kinesiology Barcelona. Easy. Dot <laughs> so, com? com. So yes, kinesiologybarcelona.com and I work from both the Centre in Saria and from San Cugat. Great. And Kazia, your, let's, don't forget your details if you want to get in touch with you. Mindfulworkshop.com. Anything else? Just that. Just that. <laughs> they can also find you I by I also half. have a meetup group, yeah. which is Mindful Workshop Barcelona, Facebook group, Mindful Workshop, Instagram, Mindful Workshop, some all over social media. But if you type in Mindful Workshop, you should find me. Great. I knew there was more. So easy to pronounce, Mindful. As opposed to kinesiology. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good at it now. Oh, you're yeah. good. Kinesiology. <laughs> <laughs> Just about there. What are you up to this weekend, Deborah? Anything exciting? Mm. Or not exciting? Just no, relaxing. peaceful. Sounds peaceful. good. Yes, a you, peaceful weekend. You too? Any plans? I'm on the spot. <laughs> yes, it's my birthday. Oh, oh, happy birthday. birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. And my mum is again? visiting. Yes, 25 yeah. indeed. <laughs> Actually, she does look it. I'm probably not far off. And your mum is here. Great. Yes. So that means big celebration. Well, happy birthday for tomorrow. Thank you. And thank you both very, very much for coming on. It was fascinating. And uh, Deborah, if people want to listen to this again and again, how can they? Go on to Facebook and look us up at animatedgift.radio or also you can follow us on Twitter, which is arroba animatedgif. Great stuff. Thanks very much for listening. We'll see you next time.